welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to start off by just kind of a call and response. It's going to be really, really simple, but I'd love for you all to say joy. Joy. All right, now let's say it like you actually got some joy, all right? Joy. All right, that's pretty good. One of the things that I uh, discovered at the very kind of beginning of the Christmas season, moving right out of kind of that November into December, there was something that started trending on social media and some different platforms in some kind of media uh, and op-ed pieces, and it was this sense of not really feeling Christmas this year. Uh, in fact, there's this uh, phrase that I'm, I'm not very Christmassy this year that started to gain traction and was something that was being voiced in a number of different places. You can find little editorials on this, comedic videos, you can find memes and all of those things. And even if you're not kind of online or interacting with any of those things, it's likely that you've bumped into somebody who has felt that way or maybe this is you. And it's just like I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling it. And one of the things that is understood in that statement is, is when you say that, when you say, man, I'm not feeling Christmas year, this year, you can sense a lack of joy. There may be a number of other nuances to that, but certainly it's not a joy-filled statement when somebody says that. And this morning, we're going to talk about joy. It's where we are in this series, Among Us, and we've been looking at God's intention to be Emmanuel, to be God with us, and that in doing so, that His uh, presence and His person in our lives brings hope. Last week, Pastor Cameron talked about the peace uh, of the Lord, and this morning we're going to talk about joy that He looks to bring. So we're going to rejoice. That means to do joy. It means to put it into action. And we're going to receive joy today because we are in His presence, and it's God's intention for you to have joy. Uh, and admittedly, it can be a struggle to be joyful. Okay? You don't need me to, to even talk you into that premise. Admittedly, it can be a struggle to have joy, especially when we look at our life circumstances and they're less than what we had hoped. Maybe there's some fracture in your family. Maybe there's some, some things that you wanted to accomplish that you have not yet. Maybe there's some chaos or some challenges in your life. Maybe there's some things that are in upheaval in your person or in your extended relationships. Those things can all be part of our experience. And when our circumstances aren't happy or blessed or fruitful in the sense of, of how we would be looking at them and of, uh, assessing them, it can be a struggle to have joy. It can also be a struggle to hold on to your joy when you're reminded of loss or disappointment, when we're reminded of those things that maybe we've walked through. It can be something that saps some of our joy. But joy, the way that the Lord would speak of it, the way that His Word would define it, joy is intended for all people at all times and it comes from the one who can give it without limit. It comes from the one who can give it without limit. In fact, one of my favorite uh, scriptures I was reminded of just this week is in the book of John where it says that God gives without limit. And so this morning, maybe for you, you need to discover the joy of the Lord. Maybe you need to recover the joy of the Lord. But we are going to focus on that 
this morning. And so let's prepare our hearts to receive from God's word and to receive from his person the joy that he has for us. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and get those out. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, open up your Bible app. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts to receive from you today. Lord, not just open minds that would affirm what is true or give a cognitive uh, nod um, to an idea, but Lord, give us soft hearts that would receive from your word, that that seed would take root and that it would grow to fruitfulness in our lives, in Jesus' name. If your Bible's out, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 2. That's where we're going to be focusing this morning. As we've been going through uh, the series the last couple of weeks, we've been revisiting kind of the classic uh, Christmas narrative passages in Matthew and in Luke. And so today we get to Luke chapter 2, and it would be the birth of Jesus as Luke described it and recorded it. And I'm going to read a whole uh, chunk of Scripture this morning. It's not going to be up until I, I, I'll call for it. There's a few verses that we're going to focus on, but I invite you to read along with me. And it says in verse 1 that in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David, and he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared. And the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And so as we read just kind of the, the details that Luke provides us of the birth of Jesus and really the birth announcement that the shepherds experience, we're going to focus in on the joy of the Lord. And really what you find in this passage is it really, it hinges on a birth announcement. The, the whole passage is something that hinges on this birth announcement that is given by the angels on this suddenly heavenly host showing up and kind of interrupting the day-to-day, -day, but to bring a proclamation of announcement. And so in Luke chapter 2, verse 9 and 11, let's look at that. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. But the angel said to them, and here it is, the birth announcement, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, I don't know if you have kids, but it's likely that if you do, you can remember uh, the birth of your kids. Maybe, 
If you've got multiple kids, maybe you only remember the first one and the rest is a blur because that has a tendency to happen as well. And maybe you can remember the way that you made the announcement to your family. Not that you were expecting and not the gender reveal, but that they had arrived. Uh, for, for us, uh, for my experience, I remember very, very vividly the first and then the rest is a little bit of a blur. But when my oldest, when Annalie was born, I remember that birth announcement. I remember after kind of getting through the whole, it happened and she's here, to I have to tell everybody that this has taken place. And I remember calling my dad. I called my dad first and and foremost, and I kind of stammered through, but I knew I needed to know the stats, not because dad really cared that much, but my mom was going to ask, right? How, how big is she? How long was she? Uh, we actually didn't know the gender uh, before she was born, so the, the, they didn't even know whether we were having a boy or a girl. So that was a really important part of that conversation, too. And so I called up my dad, and I kind of stammered through the, the little bit, but, but I got a, it's a girl, here's her name, and here's the stats, right? I got that right. And then it was quiet. And here's the reason why. I grew up with three little brothers. I've spoken to you guys a lot about my family. There were no girls in our house. I didn't have a sister. Uh, all of our dogs were boy dogs. Like, my mom was literally on her, home, on her own, and it's why she's so strong and resilient, uh, and probably why uh, we turned out as well as we did. She's an awesome, awesome woman. But it was quiet. And then my dad said this, Well, partner, I can't help you. Because he didn't have daughters, right? I didn't have sisters. We didn't have any idea what was going to happen here. And it was just like this, I can't help you. Uh, my, my little brother, Isaac, had had a daughter previously. And my dad literally said, partner, I can't help you. If you have any questions, call your brother. But at that announcement, as kind of the news went out to mom and dad and to the brothers and to the rest of the family, my, there was great joy for the Hackbarths. This was, this was life-changing for our family. And I draw your attention to this because this birth announcement of Jesus was intended to cause joy for the whole world. That all people for all time would rejoice at this announcement. And as the angels make the proclamation, as they kind of give the surprise announcement to the shepherds, who didn't really know anything was happening, right? They weren't aware of Mary. They weren't aware that anybody was expecting. They were just out doing their thing, and the Lord interrupted their lives with this announcement. The focus of it ends up being on joy. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And this morning, what I want to do is we talk about joy, and maybe you're in a place where you're trying to discover joy. You're looking for it. You would say, hey, pastor, I'm trying. I'm just, I'm trying. Or maybe you're in a place where you feel like the memory of loss or the difficulties of your present circumstances has robbed you of joy, and it needs to be recovered. So whether you're on a discovery mission or a recovery mission this morning, as we focus on the joy of the Lord, I'm going to offer you four thoughts on joy, and I'm going to give you two practices of joy. Because listen to me, life happens to you, joy does not. Joy doesn't just happen to you. Joy is something that you have to receive and that you have to participate in. 
There's practices that go to it. But we need to understand the joy of the Lord before we can experience it in our lives and help others do the same. So four thoughts on joy. Two are going to come out of this text. Two are going to come from extra verses. And then we'll have a couple practices for some insight for application. And the first one is this. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy. Look at this. For all people. If you're a note taker, if you like to highlight or underline, that all people I would say is significant. It's important. It includes you and it includes those around you. And here's the first thought on joy. Joy is for everyone. Joy is for everyone. That includes you, but joy is for everyone in all places, in all circumstances, at all times. And that can be hard for us to kind of, "Mm, I'm not really sure I'm buying into that because my circumstances aren't happy at all times. My circumstances aren't something that I would necessarily want to celebrate. The details of my life aren't always something that I would say, yeah, that's, that's a reason to rejoice or to cause joy. But when it comes to the joy of the Lord and the joy that you can have because of Him at work in your life, it is for all people in all circumstances at all times. It means that it's not something that is tied to comparison with others or an assessment of the details of your circumstances. And this is really, really important because many of us, when it comes to joy, we fall into the comparison scenario where we'll look at kind of somebody else's life and then look at ours and then almost make a decision as to whether or not it's appropriate for us to celebrate. Have you ever felt guilty for wanting to celebrate something that's happened to you? Have you ever felt like the, the announcement of something good happening in your life, you're, you're reticent to share it with somebody else because it's almost like I, I shouldn't make them feel bad that they're not in the same circumstance as me. That, that's a bad perspective of what it means to have joy. And one of the things that I found in doing mission work and in traveling in other nations, and, and if, if you go on a missions trip or if you've done this, you've probably discovered this for yourself, but you've found people that live in dire circumstances that seem to have more joy than you do, and it's puzzling. How, how could you be so happy? How could you be so fulfilled? How could there be so much joy in this place when you don't have the things? We fall into kind of the Grinch perspective of where satisfaction comes from. I've been in remote places in dire circumstances and have seen more joy demonstrated in those tiny churches, oftentimes, than has been expressed in my own life not comparing a church to a church, just thinking about my own life, my own person. And it's because joy is for everyone in all places, all circumstances, at all times, which means two things for you. This morning, if you have things that you would readily want to celebrate, you need to celebrate. You need to celebrate the goodness of God, the grace of God. You need to celebrate the mercy of God, the provision of God. Those need to be things that you are calling to your remembrance, and they are uh, producing joy in you, and you're responding to that. And second of all, if you would look at the details of your life right now and say, man, there's not a lot to be joyful about. We don't draw our joy from our circumstances, we draw our joy from the one who gives joy. All people, at all times, in all circumstances, it is God's intention that you would have 
joy. The second thing that you find in this same verse, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. This is really, really important. Okay, one is joy is for everybody. Two is this, joy is available. Okay, joy is available, but joy is available through receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, so the announcement wasn't, I've brought you joy, right? Like, here's a box, open it up, try on your joy. Let's see if it fits. No, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. See, it's important for us to recognize where our joy comes from. That in, I can have joy in all places and all circumstances, and I can uh, invite people in all places and all circumstances to receive and embrace and experience the joy of the Lord because it doesn't come from any of those things. It is tied to the good news, and this is the good news, that today a Savior has been born. The announcement is today, the one who is going to bring salvation is present. It's the Emmanuel. It's the God with us. It's the, the focus of this series that God has not remained far off, but that he is among us. He is present and active and able to invite us into living a life where we participate with the creator. It's tied to that idea of the good news. And in most of the Christmas narrative passages, in Matthew and in Luke specifically, there's going to be a couple ideas that are tied together. There's this idea of hope and joy and peace, but it's threaded with the idea of salvation. That they are produced from that, that the Savior is going to come and act out in our lives, and these things are going to be produced or experienced or a byproduct of that. And the salvation that Jesus brings isn't just to save you from something, but it is to save you to something as well. And it's important for us to recognize the full of that scope. Sometimes we think of salvation as I'm getting out of jail, right? I'm being saved from hell, but you're being saved to an eternity with Christ. And you're being saved maybe from your past and the brokenness and the change that come with that, but you're, saving, you're being saved to a future that is yours in Christ Jesus, And it's when we begin to recognize that he comes and meets us where we are, but he promises to go with us to where he would lead us, that it's his presence that begins to allow us to enjoy his joy in all people, in all circumstances, at all times. Joy is for everyone. Joy is available. The third thing as a thought on joy is where we go to receive it. Okay, so, so how is that something that we receive? And again, we're going to see that joy is not something that we just receive passively, but we participate in it. But in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, the middle kind of part of the whole of that verse, it says this. It says, you will fill me with joy in your presence. A number of the other ways that this is translated in different English translations would say this, in your presence is the fullness of joy. Joy is available for everyone. It's attainable, but this is where we go. Joy is fully received and experienced in the presence of God. If you are looking for joy in any other place, you may find a temporary reprieve 
but you will not find a lasting joy. You will find a joy that is tied to the comparison of yourself to others. You will find a joy that comes from a positive assessment of the experience or the context of your life, but you will not find a lasting joy apart from the presence of God. That's why the birth announcement is so important. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. In his presence is the fullness of joy, and we're not clamoring into his presence anymore. He has made himself present. And so the person and work of Jesus in your life, that's where you go to experience the presence of God. And joy is a byproduct of that. Even the Spirit of God at work in you. We did a series earlier this year that talked about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy. That when the Holy Spirit is in your life and at work in your life, that joy is a natural fruit that's going to be produced in you. Why? Because in His presence is the fullness of joy. And the place that we need to recognize is maybe our step of faith or our uh, act of participation is to be present in His presence. To be present in His presence. Because you can get kind of uh, theological and you can kind of get doctrinally intricate when it comes to this idea of where God is and where He's not. Right? So if you're going to talk about God as being omnipresent, He's everywhere all at once. But then if you're going to look at times in Scripture where it, it talks about the very presence of God coming in a, a focused or powerful or experiential way, you'll see kind of a difference there. There's a sense that God doesn't need His invitation to be with us, but there's a sense where Jesus has promised to be present in the gathering of those who are called by His name. And so there's some nuances to this, but here's, let's just make it really simple. Okay, those of you who have kids, or maybe you're a teacher, you can be present in the room and not present. Right? We, we see that a lot. Adults, we recognize that more in children, but the same thing can happen to us. Our kids can be asking and vying for our attention, and we can be just as stuck in our phones as they are, so let's be fair. But we understand the difference when we're not present. And what I would encourage you with when it comes to the presence of God, whether you're going in prayer, whether you're gathering in a group of believers, or whether you're just being reminded that the Lord is with you in your difficult circumstance, be present, be attentive, lean into that interaction with the Lord. The fullness of joy is found there, and you will not find it in any other place. You will find flashes of it, you will find kind of temporary expressions of it, and those are, are valuable and, and, and they have meaning, but they will not last. They will not endure. The fullness of joy is received in his presence. And then the last thought on joy before we move to the two practices is this. His joy gives us strength. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, kind of the last part of that verse, it says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We sang that today over and over and over. Listen to me, follower of Jesus, you need to be convinced of this. You need to be convinced of this. Because if I recognize that the joy of the Lord is my strength, then regardless of how I would assess my present circumstance, I can endure it. I can persevere in it. All of the things that would uh, encourage the believer to keep on keeping on when they're going through times of difficulty. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My circumstances aren't joyful, but the joy of the Lord is going to sustain me through them. The difficulties of my life are mounting and piling up, and I'm not sure what to do, but the joy of the Lord is going to strengthen me as I endure these. 
And the joy of the Lord, listen to me, is a byproduct of his presence. And that's so important for us to recognize so that when we're going through times of difficulty, when we're dealing with uh, uh, challenges in our lives, when we feel like the valley of the shadow of death is looming over us, that we recognize that he is present with us in it. That's why I have joy. It's because he's with me and he's with me and so I can endure. My strength doesn't come from my own practice or my own resolve. It comes from me knowing that I can just lean on Dad and he's going to take care of it. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Philippians chapter 4 is uh, uh, a significant passage of Scripture in my life. The very first part of it says, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That word means to do joy. It means to put joy into practice or into action. Paul repeats himself a couple times. They're drawing our attention to it. And then he begins to unpack the discipline of prayer in the life of the believer, in the life of the church. But then it kind of, the phrase turns and it says, rejoice, do this, do these practices and. And that and indicates a result. It indicates kind of a fruit of, of what comes when you do that. And it says, and the peace that passes all understanding. In the Hackbarth house, we call this crazy peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. See, this, this idea of joy, receiving the joy of the Lord because of his presence, not only does it give you strength and help you endure, but it's something that produces a quality of peace and certainty in you. And even as you look at even the last three weeks, hope and peace and today joy, they're not disconnected. They're not just kind of random ideas. They're interconnected. Because when God comes in your life, when, when Jesus becomes among us, Emmanuel, God with us, these things are expressed. These things are enjoyed. It's the presence of God. Joy is for everyone. That includes you, regardless of your circumstances or the difficulties you're facing. All places, all circumstances, at all times, joy is for you. Joy is available because of the good news of Jesus Christ. Joy is found in the presence of of God. And if you will receive his joy and act on it, you will be strengthened, regardless of what you're dealing with or walking through. And so kind of after those thoughts there, I want to turn my attention to two practices, two practices of joy. There's a lot of different ways that you could go uh, about kind of looking at this. You could just kind of write a list of gratitude, and you can be thankful. There's, there's a number of different things, but I want to I get really brief and real practical because there are difficult things that many of us are challenged with, and just writing happy thoughts on a sheet of paper may not be what you need. Two practices of joy. This is how you do joy. This is how you rejoice, especially when you're not feeling it when you're not feeling Christmassy or joyful in general. Number one is choose to go to the source of joy. Choose to go to the source of joy. You won't find it in any other place. So you've got to come to Jesus. And that can be like coming to church and kind of participating in that. That can be spending time in prayer, spending time in your word. That can be ugly crying in your truck while you're just yelling at God about the circumstances of your life. He, is, he doesn't shy away from your humanity. If he did, he wouldn't have came in the flesh. But you won't find joy in any other place, and so you choose 
to go to him. And in that place, be present in his presence. Be real, be raw, be attentive, be authentic, and allow the Lord to minister to you. The second practice of joy, and this is for those of us who are um, walking through loss and disappointment. The second practice of joy is this. Learn to hold grief and gratitude in equal measure. Okay, let me say that again. Hold grief and gratitude in equal measure. The other evening, my son uh, came up from the basement and he couldn't sleep. And we're kind of in a season, we'll call it a season, phase, fad, but we're in one of those things where we can't sleep and we need fill in the blank, right? I need a cup of water, I gotta go to the bathroom, I wanna say goodnight to mom, the dog needs a hug, I heard something, I sat, like it doesn't, just fill in the blank, it's the stuff. Parents, you know, like you can feel my pain here. My son came upstairs, one of my sons the, the other night, and he said, Dad, I can't sleep. And here we go, right? And I didn't know which dad to be, right? Like the really cool, fun dad, you know, or like the caring, compassionate dad, or like the dad dad, right? And I was trying to figure out which one it was. And I was about to respond to him, but what he said wasn't the normal stuff. He said, I miss, and then he said the name of a dear friend of ours who passed away last year really close family friend that, that we still feel that loss. And I said, I know, I know, son. Me too. And so we sat down. I, I just took the time to sit. And here's what he said. He said, Dad, it's almost Christmas. And I've got a lot of bad memories. See, that's, that's grief. It's too much. It's too heavy. It's, it's suffocating. It's oppressive. You, you probably know what that feels like. And so we needed to do something with that. And I could have just been like, just be a man about it or dismiss it. Or I could have been like churchy, just pray about it, kid, and get over it. Those things are unhealthy responses, by the way. And so what I said was, son, it's not the bad memories of last year, it's the good memories that you remember but can no longer make. And what we did is we sat and we talked about the good memories, acknowledging our grief and our hurt, that loss, it hurts deep. But we celebrated and held with gratitude the experiences and the years that we had. And in that place, you can experience joy. You take your grief and you take your gratitude and you hold them in the presence of God. And so regardless of circumstance, time or place, assessment, comparison, you can find joy in the presence of the Lord as a result of that. If that hits home to you, if that's something that you're wrestling with, this, this season or this year or this, you know, maybe it's a decade for you. Just feeling it. I would encourage you to do one of two things. Read Psalm 5 this week or read Psalm 30. There's a number of other psalms that would be helpful in that. But one of the beautiful things about the book of Psalms is the template that it gives us 
for how to hold grief and gratitude at the same time. And in Psalm 30, David's writing here, and he says, weeping or mourning may last for a night, but the joy of the Lord comes in the morning. It doesn't say don't weep or don't mourn or don't, don't acknowledge your grief, but know in gratitude that it doesn't last and that joy is still yours. And then later on in the same psalm, he says, you turned my mourning into dancing. You took off my clothes of sadness and you clothed me with joy. The psalmists oftentimes held grief and gratitude in equal weighted measure. And the result of all of those was faith, it was joy, it was, it was life. And so for you and I, the same thing can be available. So two practices this week. Choose to go to the right source. And if you need to, hold grief and gratitude in equal measure. Church family, if you would stand this morning, worship team, if you would come forward. Lord, we come before you this morning and we acknowledge that you and you alone are our source of joy. Lord, that you are the source of joy, that you are the giver of joy, and that you give without limits. And so for every heart here, regardless of circumstance, Lord, would they receive your joy today? Would their hearts be soft enough to receive your joy? Lord, for the places that we have to celebrate, let us celebrate with all of our hearts. Lord, let us rejoice. Do joy. Let's acknowledge your goodness and the great things that you've done. Let's acknowledge your promises and the things yet to come. Lord, let us do that well. No one should be more joyful than the people of God. And Lord, for the places where there's difficulty, where joy seems just out of reach, Lord, would you meet us in that place? Would you meet us in that place? Would you remind us that your joy is for us regardless of what we would be looking at as the details or difficulties? Lord, would you remind us that your joy is available because you came. You came and you bring great joy. Lord, would you remind us that the fullness of your joy is only experienced as a byproduct of being in your presence or that we can't manufacture it that we cannot find true and lasting joy in any other place. And so let us be motivated to come to you for that. And Lord, as we receive your joy, as we experience that, may it give us strength <coughs> to sustain us when things are difficult. May your joy and the practice of rejoicing be something that brings peace to each one of us. And Lord, teach us. Teach us to choose you above any other source and to be honest before you, holding our grief and our gratitude in equal measure, that we might enjoy your joy in all circumstances, in all places, at all times. In Jesus' name, amen. There's three things I want to remind you of before we get to our action step, and we've got just a single action step for this week, and it's going to be a prayer that I'm going to encourage you to participate in. But number one, receive joy. Receive joy. To do that, you've got to go to the right source. You've got to believe that the Lord's offering that to you. You've got to respond to that invitation. Have a soft heart and receive his joy. 
Go to his presence for that. After you've received, do joy. Put it into practice. Take steps to rejoice. Even if you're having to kind of do that grief and gratitude dance, one step, two step, one step, two step. Choose to do joy this week. And just as important as those two are for your own life, number three, give joy. The things that God has done in you is to be done through you. So receive his joy, do joy, and give that joy away this week. One action step, snap a picture of this or catch this on Facebook later on. Begin each day this week with this very simple prayer. Jesus, today I choose your joy. You give true and lasting joy and remind yourself and the world can't take it away. Merry Christmas.